Our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning praising your name and thanking you because your son Jesus, what a powerful name it is. Father, we come before you inspired by and motivated by the fact that you brought heaven down. That you love us. That your love overwhelms our sin. Your love overwhelms our fears. Your love overwhelms our insecurities. Your love for Jesus Christ reigns. And Father, as we come together as your people, as we worship you through song, as we worship you through uh, the power of your word, Father, as we worship you through giving hugs to one another and smiling at each other and greeting each other, Father, as we worship you by giving an offering to you, Father, as we worship you and taking communion, Father, we, we are so thankful that out of this dark world, you chose us. You wanted your people in the blood of Christ to come together, to gather, to praise you, to worship you. You are our audience. You are our Father, our Son, our Holy Spirit. God, we, we thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We are nothing without you. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Help us to see what you want us to see this morning, that we may leave here closer to your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. And the church says. And the church says. It's great to see everybody this morning. It's raining outside. That stinks. And um, but rain is good for our environment. I just really want to lift up, um, you know, a couple of our volunteers that are outside in the rain. They just stood outside in the rain as you parked your cars to thank you for coming to welcome you. And I really want to lift up uh, Trevor. Where's Trevor? Oh, Trevor's right there in the back right there. He had no umbrella standing out there soaking wet. Just trying to smile at people as they walk, as you walked in. I want to thank Twyla. Where's Twyla? Is Twyla back there? There she is, right there in the back. She's waving. Twyla's out there. She was like, I'm from Ohio. This is nothing for me. This is beach weather, you know? And she's out there with her umbrella. And she's thanking people. I really want to lift up Spencer Wright. Spencer went ahead and found some umbrella and just started walking people with an umbrella in here, including people that are part of another event going on in the, karate, in the, in the gym there. He was just walking random people with the umbrella. And I just, Spence, thank you so much for giving of yourself uh, to do that. We as a church, uh, obviously we're trying to be more aware of opportunities and, and, that God gives us to uh, to encourage people and to welcome people and help people feel their, uh, just the warmth of the gathering of, of God's people. And so um, I just really appreciate those of you who showed up early to be able to do that and in the rain to do that. So thank you. Thank you for serving in a great way. You know, we're moving through this year, and um, as I've been talking about this idea of being a gospel community, being influenced by the gospel, being that we would... Um, what we said here, put on gospel glasses, right? That when I, when I have my glasses off, I can, I can still see you, but man, when I put my glasses on, I see clearly. 
And the idea here that we're talking about is that the gospel of Jesus, the message, the good news of Christ, provides clarity for our perspectives, our interactions, our relationships. And we want to be a community that is influenced uh, and empowered by the gospel to do what God and to be what God has called us to be. And we've talked about the idea that uh, Paul, the apostle, went around. I see one of the brothers here wearing the 3D glasses that we gave out to everybody uh, just as the gospel glasses kind of gimmick thing that I did there. But anyway, um, I just, I, you know, we talked about this idea that not just the idea, but that Paul, the apostle, would travel around and uh, he, he used this phrase in 1 Corinthians 15 where he says, I've passed on to you as of first importance, priority, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to Scripture, that he was buried and that God raised him from the dead, and that through that there is new life, new creation. He is exactly what we needed at a, the exact right time. C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, writes this, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. This is who we want to be and how we want to be influenced. And so what we're going to do over the next uh, few months here is we're going to actually study the different epistles in, uh, in the New Testament. An epistle was a letter that was written by an apostle to a church, to a gathering in a particular city, and uh, to, to inform or influence uh, that congregation. And so Paul the Apostle, he writes all these letters to different churches. And we're going to study out these different uh, uh, books, that epistles, letters that he writes. We call them books of the Bible, books of the New Testament. But they're really letters that were written to these Jesus uh, followers that would gather together every week and um, talk about drinking a man's blood and eating a man's body. And that was really weird for the pagan society around. They're like, what are you guys talking about? But the love of one another attracted people. And it was an amazing, um, uh, just a, a world-changing time in the first century as these, as these gatherings, uh, as they preached the gospel, as they proclaimed the good news, it changed people's lives. And so what we're going to do is kind of, we're not going to go in order that it's written here in the, in the scriptures. We're actually going to go in order of, uh, the, of the time of when, Paul wrote these. And so the first letter that we're going to study out is Galatians. That was the first letter that he wrote in his missionary time. And then he wrote First uh, and Second Thessalonians. And then he wrote First uh, and Second Corinthians. And then he wrote Romans. And so we're kind of going to go in order of the uh, what is, you know, th these dates are somewhat debated. But what is most scholars believe is that Galatians was his first letter that he wrote. And so what we're going to do is kind of go every week, chapter by chapter, um, and, and we're going to allow the, the word of God to give us our, our content and our material to talk about. We're not trying to, there's no agenda here. We're just trying to take a chapter a week and see what God's spirit is teaching us through that. Does that make sense? And we're going to try to let God's word lead us, God's word, disciple our hearts, mentor our hearts. And then in between each book that we uh, study this year, we're going to um, have a service or a Sunday service or two where we have different members of our congregation able to come up and share how the gospel has changed them and is influencing them and have some testimony sharing and these kinds of things. So it's going to be a great year in these, uh, these epistles. My goal is that by the end of 2021, we'll finish all of them. And you're like, wait, this is a two-year project? Yes. 
we're going to go for it. We're going to just go every letter that Paul wrote, and we're going to dive in to what God's Spirit is telling us through the Word. And the whole theme of it is becoming more and more the gospel community that he wants us to be. Amen? Okay, you guys ready? All right. Today we're talking Galatians chapter 1. Turn our Bibles, Galatians 1. title of our lesson today is Gospel Clarity. I want to give a little background about Paul first. We understand that Paul was first called Saul, but he uh, was trained in Judaism. We see in Philippians chapter 3 that he wrote that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was zealous. He was faultless. He, uh, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he, he was trained in the tradition and the religion of Judaism. Old Testament, memorizing the first five books of the Old Testament, which is called the Torah. And, the, you know, think about Leviticus, the book of Leviticus. He's memorizing 600 plus laws. And this is his training. And in fact, what you'll see is that he was, he was beating out all his peers. Like he was better than all of them. And on the road, and he, and in the, in the, as a Jewish teacher, as a Jewish Pharisee, he, th- this idea that a man would come and say, you heard that it was said, do not murder, but I tell you, don't be angry. You've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, don't look at a woman lustfully. You heard, for, for a man to say that, and for, for a man to say, you can only find life through me. You can only find God through me. It was blasphemous for a guy like Paul to hear somebody talk about this. And then that people were not just listening to this guy, but following him and saying that he died on a cross and raised from the dead was blasphemous. And so Paul, as a zealot, goes around to all these different gatherings, these assemblies, and starts to persecute the church. He puts men and women in prison. He approves of the murder of different men uh, who are preaching this message, this gospel. And on the road to Damascus, a town where he was directed to go and persecute the church, on, on that You can read this in Acts chapter 9. He talks about it in Acts chapter 26. On the way, there's a light that blinds him and his companions. And he hears Jesus and Jesus says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? You're actually going to be my instrument to proclaim this news to the whole world. Jesus, who had all his arguments with the Pharisees, if you read the Gospels, you'll realize Jesus and the Pharisees, they just, they always, he always had beef with the Pharisees. And he was always getting in a funk and a fight with these, with, these, with these Pharisees. And yet Jesus himself chooses the most zealous Pharisee to be his instrument to proclaim the good news. Paul is blinded. We read in Acts chapter 9, he's blinded. He's humbled by God. And God sends Ananias to him, a random disciple. Go to Paul's house. Teach him the gospel and baptize him. Paul, I'm there. that guy is persecuting. He's going to put me in jail. No, 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 no. Just go over there. And Ananias goes. He baptizes Saul. And the scales, it says his scales fell off his eyes. And this motivated him to be who he became. It was a calling by the grace of God. 
to go to town to town and preach this gospel news. He goes to this city named Antioch. It's the first Gentile church, him and a guy named Barnabas. And Barnabas and him, they're like homies, and they're like helping each other, and they're encouraging one another. And they're in this church in Antioch, and they're commissioned by the church leadership there to go start these Jesus assemblies in, the Gentile, in other Gentile cities. And so begins their first missionary journey. Recorded in Acts chapters 13 and 14 in cities such as Iconium, Pisidian, Antioch, Derby, and Lystra. Cities in the region known as Galatia. Now I was going to show you a map and all that kind of stuff, but I'm just going to try to keep things as simple as possible here. All right? I don't want to confuse anybody. If you want to read a map, if you want to go to a map, you can do that on your own time. Google Maps, great, awesome, amen. After these trips, he goes back to Antioch, which is kind of the headquarters. And after some time, he receives the news that other teachers had gone into these churches that he had started and started spreading a gospel that was contrary to what he had preached. And so there was confusion as to what Paul preached. There was confusion as to Paul's credibility. Probably with good intentions, these Jewish Christian teachers were coming into these cities to help the Gentile Christians, to have a more in-depth understanding of what they believed, and that in order for them to be sure that they were accepted into God's kingdom, they would need to adhere to Jewish law, dietary restrictions, no carnitas, you know, traditions, the, uh, and the ultimate sign of Judaism, which was circumcision. Paul gets word that this is starting to confuse the church. And when there's confusion, there's fear, there's insecurity, there's mistrust and potential division. And Paul is agitated by all of this. And he writes a letter to clarify his message. Now, we need to remember Paul's training. He's thoroughly trained in Jewish law. He has memorized books of the Old Testament as part of his training. He was faultless, he says, and blameless, holding on to and obeying to the detail the commandments handed down to God's people, Israel. So the idea of circumcision, dietary restrictions, this was Paul's upbringing. He was passionate about these things. So for Paul to be persuaded, you know there was power in what, what Jesus did. But there was confusion among the Gentile. The Gentile wanted to be part of God's story. But they were being told one thing by Paul and another thing by these Jewish teachers. And so Paul, you'll find in his letter, he, he will read here, he gets straight to the point. In a lot of his other letters, he's like, I thank God for you and I love you and I miss you. But Galatians, it, it's, he's just straight up, just blunt, just straight in your face, you know. And I think we see sort of maybe Paul getting, as he gets older, he gets a little softer, a little, you know, more loving, you know, cries a little bit more, hugs a little bit longer. You know what I'm saying? And, um, but in Galatians, he's just like, you know, staunch. So we'll see here. Let's read in our Bibles, Galatians chapter 1. You guys follow me here? If you don't have a Bible, try to find somebody that has one. You're going to follow along. We don't have them on the slides today. You actually have to do some work here at church today, all right? Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent from, not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our Father, 
our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And we say, Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Paul is not beating around the bush here. He's straight up. Paul goes directly to the issue at hand. He makes it very clear that he wasn't sent from men, but his message comes directly from Jesus Christ. And then he defines and makes clear what the gospel is. See, if we're going to be a gospel community, we got to actually we got to know what the gospel is. And he says, Jesus, he's like, here's the gospel. Jesus, who gave himself up for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. That's the gospel. That in our brokenness and confusion and fear and insecurity and pride and selfishness and idolatry, Jesus came to rescue us. This is the humbling truth of Christianity. We love to be our own saviors. I'm going to work my way out of this. As long as I work hard, I'll be fine. We love to be our own saviors. We find ways to show God or others that we are good people. But the gospel comes in and says, you're in such a hopeless position that you need a rescue that has nothing to do with you. And God provides this rescue and gives you far more than any false salvation your heart may want to chase. You, you see what I'm saying here? God, God comes in. It's all about God. It's all about what he's doing. It's not about you and all your hard work. The gospel is God coming for you, chasing you down. Rescuing you from yourself. And the Galatian church forgot the simple message. Paul writes, you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel. In Paul's time, the different gospel was Jesus plus adherence to the law. Plus obedience to the commandments. Plus circumcision. That even most religious people in that time couldn't uphold. And he'll argue that later in the letter. We'll talk about that in Galatians 3. These teachers are confusing you, he says. They're perverting the gospel of Christ. You were called to live in the grace of Christ. Not to have a checklist of rules. Why is this so hard for us today? See, because when we read the Bible, what I want us to do is we, we, we kind of see what happened back then and there. And how does that apply to us here and now? Okay, so the situation there that's happening may be different from what we're going through now, but there are some truths that we can glean from to help us today and now. You guys follow me here? Yeah. Why is it so hard for us today? Well, here's the thing. Grace, grace means that we are at the mercy of the grace dispenser. It means that we're not in control anymore. We live because someone else took our punishment. But we don't like this because we want to be in control of our own salvation 
And so, and so, and so we say, yes, I'm, I'm saved by Jesus, but look at all the ways I obeyed him and all the quiet times I've had and all the church services I've attended. And that is what guarantees me a spot in the kingdom. I remember one time I was doing a Bible talk on a high school campus in Culver City. And this kid kind of had an edge to him as I was leading this Bible. I brought pizza. I said, you know, you bring pizza. You got all the kids coming to the, to the Bible talk, right? So I brought some pizza over there. And I had these kids there. And I'm trying to just do a short little devotional uh, during the lunchtime. So it's, you only got 35, 40 minutes, you know. So um, we're having a discussion and everything. And this one kid... He, he, he was just there like this the whole time, kind of like looking at me. And then he was like, I got a question. And he says, how do you know you're right with God? To me. And this is my answer. I was like, well, I had a good prayer time today. I read my Bible and I feel good. And I look back on them like those things are good, but they're dependent on no one but myself. I'm in that statement. Who's the savior? I'm the savior. Instead, I look back and I'm like, I feel so embarrassed by this. I, 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 instead, I should have said, well, no matter how I feel today, I know that Jesus died for my sin. And I decide to trust that fact and do my best to live in response to that out of gratitude. Jesus took my spot. In that statement, who's the savior? Who's the focus? It's Jesus. But you and I, we get into this funk. Well, I'm doing, I showed up here, I did this, I did that, I didn't do what those guys did, and I did this, this, this. And we think that is equal to our discipleship and holiness. And Jesus looks at us and says, I never knew you. But Lord, we did this in the streets, we helped so many people. I never knew you. We did it in your name. I, I never knew you. He says that in Matthew 7. You know, the gospel that these guys were teaching and preaching was Jesus plus fill in the blank. In this case, it was plus circumcision. You've got to do all these things and you'll have Jesus. I was thinking about it. What are some of the gospels that are preached to us today? Here's a, here are some gospels that we tend to believe today. We have the gospel of me. Believe in yourself. Forgive yourself. You don't need anyone else. Just work hard and you'll make it. Your decisions don't affect others as long as you are okay and feel good about yourself. That's the gospel of me. And that influences us. That gets us going. That, that you, know, I, I, you know, people will say, I know that God forgave me, but I can't forgive myself. So God's forgiveness is not enough? The gospel of happiness. God wants me to be happy. So if he wants me to be happy, he wouldn't want me in this situation, particularly in this marriage. I don't know how many times I've heard this. God wants me to be happy. And he doesn't want me in this marriage, so I'm going to go pursue this other relationship and commit adultery or go into this hobby and completely ignore my spouse or whatever the case may be. Or I'm going to go to this job and to do this because God wants me to be happy. No, God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to trust him and his ways. And in that, you will find happiness. You will find joy. But we believe this. 
Our American education has taught us that the pursuit of happiness is the goal of life. And so I will believe this pursuit over what God wants me to believe, which is you're hopeless, you're broken, you're full of fear all the time and insecurity, and I came down for you because I love you enough. I love you that much. The gospel of consumer religion. What's in it for me? Does this church meet my needs? As long as my needs are being met, I'm here. But as soon as I feel my needs aren't getting met, I'm out of here. I like the fellowship there. I like the music here and the preaching on YouTube. So I'll go around to each one every month. And I'll just kind of drive through like, and just take in whatever I feel like taking in. That happens, Mom. That happens. <laughs> gospel of consumer religion. The gospel of emotionalism. I just don't feel it anymore. I just don't feel it anymore. And so my salvation then, what does it become dependent on? How I feel a certain day. Now, God created feelings. Look at God's heart in the Old Testament, how broken his heart was that his people would desert him, would disobey him. He cries, he tears. I mean, he weeps. Jesus wept when he saw Lazarus, his friend. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, Emotions are fine, but man, we allow our emotions to dictate everything we do. I don't know. I just wasn't feeling Reuben's sermon today. I'm just not feeling it. So I'm just not going to, I'm just going to like go to another place because I just don't feel it. And, and, and this is, and we, we allow feelings. Oh, well, I feel like she's a disciple. I feel like he's a Christian, so think it'd be okay if we got married or dated or whatever because I feel it. Careful. The gospel of legalism. As long as I do these things, I'll be good with God. As long as I show up, as long as I read my Bible, as long as I do these things, I am good with God. We have all these different gospels we hold on to and Paul is telling us, I'm astonished that you would go into all these belief systems and leave what we preach to you. There is only one objectively true gospel that was preached by all the apostles who had been with Jesus. And that is Jesus, the son of God, died for your sins, was buried and God raised him from the dead. You needed a rescue when you deserved punishment and God came through. There's nothing to add. There is nothing to take away from this. The rest of your life is to be, to be lived in response to. To this message. A different gospel, Paul says, is no gospel at all. And so my question to us today is how centered are we on the clear gospel message of Jesus Christ? We keep on reading here in Galatians 1 verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. 
But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. And then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, who was Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Paul is helping the Galatian church understand that his preaching comes directly from God. He defends himself because these other teachers were going in there and saying that Paul's message was given to him by the Jerusalem apostles. And now so I'm coming in as another teacher from Jerusalem to give you a more complete message from from these Jerusalem apostles. You see what I'm saying? So they were trying to use that to their advantage and leverage their relationship with Jerusalem so they can come in and be like, yeah, Paul's just another dude from that, got, that talked to Peter and Peter told him this, but I'm going to come and give you the complete gospel. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Here's the thing. God came to me directly. I didn't go to anybody. And actually, for three years, I just was on my own kind of figuring this all out, what this means for me. Because I was extremely zealous. I was persecuting the church. I was, I was a religious Pharisee working better and better at it than anybody else in my age. He needed three years to sort of be convinced and persuaded and helped. He's a young Christian. He's a young follower of Jesus. He's trying to figure this out. And then he goes up to make sure he's got it all straight. And make sure there's unity between what he's going to preach and what they're preaching in Jerusalem for the sake of unity. Now, this is separate from the Acts 15 account of the Jerusalem Council, which we'll talk about that later. So what can we learn from his example in this? There's a couple things about the gospel in Jesus in Paul's uh, perspective here. Number one, the gospel frees us from sin. Think about Paul. The guy was approval, approving murder. Here's a religious guy going to synagogue every week, memorizing the Bible, but he's okay with murdering innocent people. Do you see how twisted that is? And yet for him, the gospel provides freedom from this extreme sin. Isn't that cool? The gospel frees us from religious legalism. The gospel produces a desire to spend time with God, you know, to, 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 to get away, to break away from tradition. Think about Paul. He says he himself, I was, I was beyond everybody else. I was, I was doing awesome in my religious zeal, in my church attendance. And now I'm telling you, you don't need circumcision because God's grace and the gospel of Jesus is enough. It freed him from this guilt, this paranoia that God's out to get me. He's going to punish me. It freed him from this. To understand God is for me. He's not out to get me. The gospel brings us into community. 
the gospel produced a desire, obviously, in his life, and it produces in us a desire to spend time with God alone. And I think some of our individualism kind of plays a part into this. It's me and God. I've got to get some time with God. I've got to me and God, me and God, me and God. But if you're me and God all the time, is not translating into us and God. Something's off there. And Paul, what does Paul do? He could have spent, he spent three years in Arabia. He spent three years getting, you know, doing whatever. But then he thought to himself, you know what? I need to go up to Jerusalem to meet with the leaders, especially Peter, and make sure I'm not doing this thing on my own. The gospel pushed him towards having unity with the other apostles. Does that make sense? He could have just gone off and God spoke to me. Jesus spoke to me. I'm doing my thing. No, no, no. It pushed him towards community because in community, there's accountability. I thought about this. You know, we've been, talking a lot, we've been talking a lot about being spirit-led, being led by the Holy Spirit. And I think too many of us sometimes can have a tendency towards making decisions that may sound good to us, but negatively affect the community of believers. And so I want to challenge us in our thinking. Next time you think the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something, ask yourself, how will this affect the community? How does this affect my community? Next time you think the Holy Spirit is, is telling you to, you know, to, to date or marry somebody that is like not a self-proclaimed Christian or, or say, they say they're Christian or whatever and you don't really know and you're like, well, I just feel it. I feel it. And the Holy Spirit's telling me or the Holy Spirit's telling me to go into this club and share my faith at one in the morning. The Holy Spirit's really telling me. The Holy Spirit's really telling me to do this, you know. Next time you get that Holy Spirit talking to you, ask yourself, wait, if I do this, how, how will this affect the community? How will this affect the, the witness of the community? Not what will other people think about me. Not, that's not it. It's how, will this, how does this affect us as a community? Does that make sense? Paul was like, man, I, I want to make sure I'm unified. With those guys. So I'm going to go all the way back up to Jerusalem to talk with these guys. The gospel leads us to please God, not man. So many times we want the, the, the approval of other men, other women in our lives. And that then we're like, oh, okay, now I'm with God because other people approve. No, no, no. God, uh, Paul says, what, what am I doing here? Am I, uh, am I here to please other human beings? No, I'm here to please God. And so what does the gospel do? The gospel gives us the power, the strength to say, to get out of our insecurities with other people and say, I'm here to please God. I'm here to please God. I care about what God cares about. I want to know what God thinks about me. Not, not too concerned about what this brother says. I'm more concerned about what God says. The gospel gives us courage to be vulnerable. In our pursuit to please God and not care what man thinks, Paul uses his testimony to point people toward God. And he says, man, listen, this, this gospel gives me the courage to be vulnerable and to share with you. I was this guy. I was doing this. I was allowing this. I was, you know, I was that. But God came in and rescued me and called me. You know, your testimony, our testimony is so powerful. Our testimony is so powerful if we were just to be vulnerable with each other, vulnerable with other people, and realize it's not 
me, but it's what God has done in my life. You know, I got, I got, I became a Christian. When I was 14 years old, and I'd grown up in church, and I've always, it's kind of strange. I've always felt a, 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 like an insecurity about my testimony. It's not as dark as somebody else's. I don't have all this of whole, all this sin and darkness. And I wasn't eating the pig's food like the prodigal son. You know what I'm saying? Like I was like, I was, you know, I was a good kid. I went to teen. <laughs> I, went, I went, you know, I went to all the teen ministry functions and I, you know, went to church every Sunday and, you know, I, I grew up around it. And I just remember as I got older, kind of looking back, I'm like, Man, I don't, every time I hear somebody's testimony, I don't feel like I'm, I don't feel like that I can relate to anybody in a way. But you know what the gospel is doing for me? The gospel is giving me the courage to be vulnerable with you about that. See what I'm saying? That's a very vulnerable thing for me to say right now. But the gospel gives me the courage to say that because in it, what I've seen is the gospel has freed me from this religious legalism. From this church rule following. Oh, I don't want to break that rule because the church will, you know what I'm saying? It's actually freed me from that and said, you know what? I can mess up. I can fall short. Because God came through. And saved me. And now I, I look back on my life and I'm like, man, the way I share about my testimony is I know how sinful I was in my nature that God was like, I, yo, I need to get that dude at 14. If he gets to 18 and he's still on that, he's not going to make it in the long run. So I need to get him now. I get his attention now. Do you see what I'm saying? And so now I look back on my life. I'm like, man, I look at my marriage. I look at our parenting and, and the way we parent. I look at our relationship. I look at our children. I look at uh, the calling that I feel like I, that, that, that God has called me to. And I'm like, this is all God's grace. This is all God's. You know, I hold my daughter, Maya, our number four, the, most, the biggest surprise of our life. You know, when I hold her, I'm like, that's, that's, to me, that's a physical demonstration of God's grace in my life. I love that girl. I love all my kids. But there's a, there's a, a lesson that I learned through... <laughs> Um, yes, <laughs> there's a lesson that I learned with Maya. Gospel frees us from and gives us the courage to be vulnerable. And allows me to enjoy what is happening right now instead of stressing about the future or if I did it right or I did it wrong or whatever the case may be. You know, as we continue in Galatians over the next few weeks, we'll continue to see how Paul takes the clarity of the gospel and how it transformed his life, and how it weaves into every area of our life. And so I want to challenge us today to consider the clarity of the gospel. What are the gospels that are influencing us, and are, the, and, and are they perverting the simple message of Jesus? Are we allowing the gospel to transform us, to change us, and using the testimony to move others towards Christ? I found this great quote from a pastor named Timothy Keller, and he says, The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. 
Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Christ Jesus than we ever dared hope. Wow. And I love that. I want us to meditate on that and think about that as we take communion this morning. You will, uh, we will see how the gospel works within the context of a divided church, a divided community, and, and how God brings that together. And if you're curious about that, I encourage you to come back next Sunday, and we'll go into Galatians chapter 2. Let's pray as we take communion. Father in heaven, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you so much that at the right time, when we were still perilous, you came down. You brought heaven down through Jesus Christ. I pray with all my heart that we would, as we take the bread that represents the body of Christ, as we take the cup that represents the blood of Christ, that we would take in the, in the heart that this is the simple message, the simple gospel, the clear gospel. Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and was raised on the third day. We needed a rescue. We need a rescue. Even as Christians, even as followers of Jesus, we still need the rescue of the gospel. Father, help us to be humble to the fact that we are sinful. We are unrighteous. We are broken. We are confused. We are fearful. And we are in desperate need of a Savior. We cannot save ourselves. Father, if we are being confused by different gospels that we're listening to or believing, help us to get those out of our head and go straight to what your Holy Spirit has preached to us this morning through your word. All those other gospels are no gospel at all. And if somebody's preaching those gospels, let a curse from you fall upon them. That we would center ourselves on the purity and the clarity of the gospel of Jesus Christ as we take communion in his name. Amen.